This is Deep Dish on Global Affairs, going beyond the headlines on critical global issues. I'm Brian Hansen, and today we're talking about public opinion and how U.S. foreign policy is seen both in the United States and abroad. The Pew Research Center is just out with the latest Global Attitude Survey, which asked people from more than two dozen nations what they think of the United States. And the Chicago Council on Global Affairs has just published its annual Chicago Council Survey, which asks Americans what they think about U.S. foreign policy. Taken together, these surveys are a really interesting view of how the world um, thinks about the U.S. and its standing both at home and abroad. To help us dig into these two reports, I'm joined by Richard Wyke, who is the Director of Global Attitudes Research at Pew Research Center. Welcome, Richard. It's good to have you on. Thanks for having me. And also here is our very own Dina Smeltz, who is the Senior Fellow for Public Opinion and Foreign Policy at the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. Dina, great to have you here. It's great to be here with both of you. So I want to start off with the Chicago Council survey, um, which is called America Engaged. And one of the things that's so striking about this survey is your, your basic argument, which is that President Trump has tried to steer U.S. foreign policy in in new directions, and those directions, you find, aren't really supported by the American public. So, you know, briefly, kind of, what are the big findings of your survey? Exactly. So we were looking two years into the Trump administration. Are more Americans now buying into the idea of America first, more unilateralist, pulling out of international engagement types of philosophy of foreign policy. And we find, no, in fact, 70% of Americans now say that the United States should take an active part in world affairs, which is the highest it's ever been, except for the one period right after the September 11th attacks. And then on those areas where President Trump has actually taken concrete action, such as pulling the United States out of the Paris Agreement or the Iran Agreement, uh, we actually find that support for both of those agreements has increased. So rather than getting influenced by the president's withdrawal from international agreements, Americans are even more convinced now that of their value. That's really interesting. And, and I think a lot of people would be surprised by that because there is a sense that President Trump has his finger on the pulse of what Americans want in terms of foreign policy. So how do you interpret the results that you've got in this political climate where there haven't been big political mobilizations talking about these other kinds of issues like you just laid out? Well, the one thing to acknowledge is that there is about a third of Americans who do support President Trump's positions and are very strong supporter of the president. And they feel super intensely about their views. So while other Americans do not Um, support pulling back from the world stage, they don't feel as strongly in some of their opinions as other, uh, as the Trump core supporters. Okay, I'm going to come back to U.S. attitudes in a minute. And Richard, I want to bring you in. Um, Pew has been doing this global attitudes poll for a while. And one of the things that's striking to me about about your findings this year is that um, people in other countries really seem to have a much lower image of both the U.S. and President Trump. So what did you find? What's your headline? 
Well, as you say, uh, you know, we've been doing uh, these global surveys now and asking about America's image uh, for over a decade and a half. And, uh, you know, this year overall, it's a, it's a fairly grim picture, I'd say. Um, and there's, there's globally not a lot of confidence in uh, President Trump across these 25 countries we surveyed. You get uh, 70% saying that uh, they don't have confidence in his uh, leadership of world affairs, um, U.S. favorability is down. You know, overall attitudes towards the U.S. Uh, in most countries are significantly more negative than they were uh, during the Obama uh, era. Um, there's a sense among most of the people that we surveyed that the U.S. doesn't really uh, take into consideration the interests of countries like theirs when it's making foreign policy decisions. Uh, there's a sense among many that uh, the U.S. is doing less to uh, help solve global problems than it was doing a few years ago. So on a variety of fronts, whether you're asking about uh, President Trump himself or you're asking about America's approach to the world and America's uh, approach to foreign affairs, um, it's a pretty negative picture right now. And in many countries, we see some of the lowest ratings for the U.S. that we've seen over the course of our polling. In addition, in our polls, we also find that Americans think we are losing allies and losing respect. And I think you found that in your polls as well, right, Richard? That's right. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, some of the most negative views about the U.S., uh, some of the strongest criticisms of the U.S. right now, uh, we find among some of our closest allies and partners, you know, and especially in Europe, but you see it uh, among some of our Asian allies and partners as well. So I think that that fits into some of the things you're finding in your, your domestic polling, Dina. I think the other thing that's really interesting to me, it strikes me, is that the the things that, Richard, you just mentioned that people abroad are frustrated that the United States is not doing, Dina, you find actually the American people would like to see us doing those kinds of things. You had this interesting question about should the U.S. Um, agree to cooperate, uh, even if it's not our first choice or, or something, um, that, that leadership question, listening to others and, um, and taking other interests into account. And what did you find there? Yeah, so we found that uh, 9 in 10 Americans say that we can best achieve our foreign policy goals by working with other countries, and less than 10% said that uh, we can best achieve them by working alone. And then we have a question that we designed to get at the idea of are, willing, are Americans willing to subordinate Americans' first choice or or um, key interests to the greater good of other UN members or, or our allies. Two-thirds of Americans say that when dealing with international problems, the United States should be more willing to make decisions within the United Nations or with allies, even if this means the United States will sometimes have to go along with a policy that's not its first choice. And then our polls, as well as Pew, have found over a number of years that Americans support shared leadership. They don't want dominant leadership, but they also don't want no leadership role at all. They want to share the burden and the opportunities of international leadership. So this is interesting. And, and Richard, I want to I go back to you and ask a question that was presented in our Facebook group by Christian Hareboot, who asks, are global attitudes toward the U.S. right now tied to the current president, or do they go beyond just simply President Trump? Is this, is this all about President Trump, or is there something else going on here? Well, I'd say that uh, it's a lot about President Trump. 
Uh, but you know that doesn't explain everything. I think when you you know you ask about the United States around the world, um, a lot of things uh, affect how people think about the U.S. So um, certainly it's who's in the White House, uh, it's American foreign policy. Those tend to be the strongest drivers of uh, of how people think about the U.S. But there are other factors as well. So you know things we we think about when we talk about American soft power. Uh, matter a lot. Um, you know, things like attitudes towards American culture, for example, are, are important. Um, attitudes towards American uh, respect, for, the U.S. government's respect for individual liberty. Um, these different elements of American soft power also matter. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a variety of different factors that influence um, how people are thinking about the U.S. at any given moment in time. But uh, the president and, and foreign policies tend to be the main drivers. I wanted to pick up on the idea of soft power because we asked this new question in our uh, survey this year, taking a page from Machiavelli, say, asking Americans if they would prefer that our country be more admired or more feared in the world. And we found that 73% say it's more important to be admired and um, just 26% say feared. But then when we asked, uh, well, what do you think the United States is now, is it more admired or feared? And more people say feared than admired. But this really unprecedented uh, percentage of people volunteered that it's something else that either were laughed at or were disliked or seen as a joke, which is something very new uh, in terms of soft power. So I think the Americans internally maybe think our soft power is eroding a bit. And and Richard, how would that map on to what you saw in your in your survey about about uh, foreign attitudes toward the U.S.? Does it, do the U.S. folk the, does the U.S. population actually have it right? Well, you know, it's interesting. We have seen some erosion of U.S. soft power in different ways, I think, uh, both this year's survey uh, and last year's, too. I mean, you know, last year, for example, we asked about uh, attitudes towards American culture, American ideas about democracy, uh, things like this. And on the whole, they were sort of still positive, but they were down a little bit from the Obama era. One interesting finding, I think, from this year's survey is there's a question we've been asking now uh, for about a decade. Uh, do you think that uh, the U.S. government respects the personal freedoms of its citizens. And that question is showing a, a fairly long-term decline in essentially U.S. soft power. Fewer people in many countries, especially in Europe, but elsewhere as well, saying essentially the U.S. respects personal freedom. The U.S. respects individual liberty. And that's been on the decline during the Trump era. But the decline actually started during the Obama presidency. Uh, and in particular, I think the NSA story, uh, the Snowden revelations, maybe some other things that were happening uh, internally in the U.S. affected that question. So, you know, that's a, an area of soft power where we've seen a decline, and, and it's actually not just about Trump. It started before Trump. So let me engage this question about the practical realities of, of quote, soft power. You, your survey, Richard, documents very, very well that, um, that the attitudes to the United States and the president have declined precipitously. How much does that really matter? What what kinds of things does that affect in the world? Yeah, well, I think it can matter. I think that, um, you know, if you think about politicians uh, in the U.S. And, and anywhere in the world, 
they often uh, respond to incentives, right? They they respond to the incentive structure around them, and I think that you know public opinion helps shape that incentive structure. And if uh, if the U.S. is very unpopular, if American foreign policies are very unpopular, uh, if an American president is very unpopular in a given country, um, that that's an important part of the the kind of public opinion policy environment in that country, and it makes it more difficult, perhaps, for uh, a given government to cooperate with the U.S. or to be seen as, as working with the U.S. on, on some issues. So it doesn't mean cooperation is not going to happen, but it's part of that environment, as part of that context that can make it either harder or easier to work with the U.S. and to collaborate on important issues. Dean, I want to I take this idea of, of attitudes and their effects and bring it to a really specific finding that I found absolutely fascinating in, in the poll that you did, which was on trade policy, because the public debate right now is tends to be about trade being a problem. Certainly, that's the president's um, that's the president's perspective on this. And there aren't big public figures who have been articulating the you know the, a, a path forward and the benefits of of free trade. Yet you found the public is actually moving significantly in favor of trade. What did you find, and what do you think is going on here? Sure. So actually, for the first time since we've ever asked this question, which goes back to 2004, we now, we now find that similar majorities of Republicans and Democrats all say that international trade is good for consumers like you, the U.S. economy, and creating jobs in the United States. And in past years, we found that when a Republican is in the White House, Republicans will feel more positively and vice versa when a Democrat's in power. But this is the first time they both are feeling equally positive. And this has spiked since 2016. So I think there's a couple things going on. One is that Democrats have consistently been the pro-globalization, pro-trade constituency in American public opinion for at least the last decade. And for Republicans, I think they're feeling better now that we have a Republican in the White House, that the environment for business is going to be less regulation and more positive for creating jobs. So some of it could be hope that uh, a Republican president will be more will be better for the economy. So I think there's two things going on there because support for trade, and some of it is a pushback against the trade bashing, which happened on both sides. You know, both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were both criticizing the TPP and other um, trade agreements. But when we ask about trade agreements, there's more of a partisan divide there. But still, on views of NAFTA, which we conducted our survey before there was an agreement with Mexico and this latest round, including Canada. But even so, so Donald Trump had said it was one of the worst deals ever, and yet 63% of Americans overall said that NAFTA is good for the U.S. economy. Um, and among Republicans, uh, those who are pro-Trump are negative toward NAFTA, but those who are positive, who, who are not strong supporters of Donald Trump are majority positive toward NAFTA. 
I was just gonna I was just gonna jump in and say uh, I, I think some of those those findings, Dean, are, are really interesting on trade. I think we've seen some of the same things uh, in some of our surveys in terms of an uptick really in, in support for trade. Um, and one other thing we've seen in the last couple of years in, in some of our international polling is that uh, the Trump administration's trade policies are are pretty unpopular around the world. And one of the things that I think is contributing to uh, Trump's unpopularity in, in in a lot of countries. Uh, last year, we tested a lot of uh, several different um, policies of, of the Trump administration, including uh, the idea of pulling out of various trade agreements. We saw a lot of opposition to that. Um, we also saw a lot of opposition to the U.S. withdrawing from uh, the, the Paris Climate Accord. We saw a lot of opposition to the U.S. pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal. So, you know, in, in general, I think one of the things that to us jumped out of those findings was that people around the world really don't like it when they see the U.S. pulling out of international commitments. Um, they also don't like it when they they see the U.S. putting up uh, you know barriers between itself and the rest of the world. We asked about building the wall on the border with Mexico, for example, or making it more difficult for people to uh, come into the United States from certain majority Muslim countries, and there was a lot of opposition to those ideas too. So, you know, the general takeaway for us was that People don't like to see these barriers between the U.S. and the rest of the world, whether it's a, a literal barrier in terms of the, the border on the wall, uh, the, the wall on the border with Mexico, or a figurative barrier in terms of making it more difficult for people to get into the country. And they don't like to see us sort of backing out of these international commitments. So, you know, this kind of idea of, of the U.S. withdrawing from the world, walling itself off from the rest of the world, and then these are very unpopular notions among the publics we surveyed. That makes sense that they would want the United States to be part of the solution, especially because it's such a big player in, in the world. And I believe, Dina, you found similar uh, things when looking at U.S. opinion, when it was things about Paris, when it was the Iran deal and, and others. Uh, what did what did you find? How do Americans feel about the U.S. pulling out of these kinds of things? Yeah, Americans have a tradition of multilateralism and supporting the United Nations and um, being willing to participate in international agreements, even when our own Congress doesn't vote for them. Um, so, yeah, we found that majorities a higher majority now than before, um, than even a year ago, say that we should participate in the Iran Agreement and in the Paris Agreement and in the ICC and in the new TPP. So um, Americans generally do like to, they might not know everything that is in the agreement. In fact, I'm sure they don't know all the details. But uh, they generally support working with other countries to solve bigger problems. One of the things that strikes me as I listen to both of you is the amount of congruence between U.S. popular opinion about what they would like U.S. foreign policy to be and then, Richard, what you're finding in many parts of the world. Obviously, there are differences in different parts and different issues play different ways. But overall, what you find in, in, in foreign policy, as two people who study opinion – should we take this as hopeful, the fact that there is this, this unacted on um, public opinion in the U.S. and strong desire in, in, uh, in the rest of the world? Does that create political forces that push us in that direction or create a permissive environment to move in that direction? How do we interpret this, this, this seeming congruence in, in opinion around the world? I mean, I think – 
you can look at it optimistically, but the truth is that most people around the world judge the United States by our policies or our president because they don't have a lot of day-to-day contact with Americans. Um, But I think when I worked at the State Department doing polls abroad, too, I always noted a disconnect or a misperception that people around the world don't know that Americans want shared leadership. Um, They might think we want to dominate, or in today's case, maybe they think we want to be more isolationist. But yeah, so it would kind of help if there was uh, some kind of a campaign that actually explained how Americans really feel. Yeah, I, I think Dina's right about how uh, uh, you know foreign publics tend to be driven mostly by, in terms of their sort of you know immediate assessments of the United States, mostly by who's in the White House and um, by what our policies are. I mean, one thing that strikes me about the the current rise in anti-Americanism, if you want to you know talk about it in, in those terms around the world, and how it compares with say the the rise in anti-Americanism we saw during the the Bush era, is that there are some similarities, and certainly some of the numbers look similar. But I think there's some differences too. Um, you know, if you think back to that era, there was a lot of talk about the U.S. as the the hyperpower. Well, you know, the U.S. is sort of Mr. Big, uh, and and the U.S. kind of flexing its muscles around the world uh, with, without being restrained by international institutions and things like that. And you know, th- this moment seems a little bit different to me in that a lot of the opposition to the U.S. and to, to U.S. foreign policy at the moment um, really is more about the U.S. pulling back and kind of withdrawing from a leadership position, uh, you know, withdrawing from international commitments, you know, questioning the value at times of, of, of uh, multilateral institutions and things like that. So I think there are some similarities uh, between those two different periods. And again, a lot of the numbers, if you look, you know, at at ratings for Trump and the old ratings for President Bush back in the, you know, towards the end of his second term in office, the numbers look pretty similar. But I think some of the dynamics are a little different, too. It would be interesting to ask that if Americans miss some of the the hyperpower now that they've withdrawn. You always want, you know, the other side. Yeah. Of the grass. Yeah, and Dina, what are you what are you finding in the United States? Because uh, clearly, in the U.S., um, uh, President Bush's popularity dipped at the end of his term. Foreign policy decisions made, particularly in the Midwest, in the sorry, the foreign policy decisions, particularly made in the Middle East, um, were not very popular. Um, how does the structure of U.S. opinion today compare to? Uh, George W. Bush era. So, and, and I think one of the striking things working on the Chicago Council survey, as because the trends go back to 1974, is just how stable Americans really are on the broad contours of our foreign policy. They want to be engaged in the world. They don't want to be the dominant hyperpower. They don't want to be the world's policemen, but they do support their allies and they do support trade and cooperative internationalism. Um, but what President Bush's policies, particularly the Iraq War, brought to the table was the beginning of partisan divides in foreign policy. So for a long time, American foreign policy, when we looked at opinion, 
there weren't that many differences between Republicans and Democrats. But after 2003, we started to see really big divides on support for the United Nations, criticism of immigration, feeling that immigration is a threat to the United States, differences on climate change, uh, globalization, and even trade around those years. So we did see a growing difference between the parties starting in, in that era. It's only widened since then. That's interesting. And Richard, I wanted to follow up on this on this um, issue of partisanship. One of the things that you touched in on your poll was some of the populist parties and differences in opinion about the U.S. by people who identify with populist parties in different countries than otherwise. Is that something that you've looked at before, and is that new? Do we see a difference in the structure of public opinion in other countries vis-a-vis the U.S. that's also become partisan? Well, you know, we we haven't really looked consistently at this this idea of, you know, do supporters of populist parties, um, you know, how do their views differ about the United States and about the U.S. president from from others? But it is something we focused on, on in, over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, what we find is that uh, if you look at uh, supporters of populist parties in Europe, for example, uh, they do uh, tend to have more positive views about President Trump. Um, you know, if, if you have a favorable view of UK, for example, in Britain, which was the independence party in Britain right? of President Trump. Uh, you know, I mean, even among European populists, Trump doesn't get especially high ratings, but he does get much higher ratings than he does among uh, you know others in Europe. The next thing I, I want to ask about is the question of leadership, world leadership. And we're obviously at this geopolitical moment with the rise of China, where there's a lot of discussion of what role China would play in the world. And Richard, you asked people explicitly around the world, um, uh, do they see China rising? And would they rather live in a world that is led by China or the United States? What did you find? Yeah, I mean, I, this was one of the more interesting findings in the survey uh, to me is that and we uh, asked about a number of different countries and, and whether people thought they are basically on the rise or is their, their power falling or are they staying about the same? And overwhelmingly, you know, big majorities in most countries said we see China uh, as on the rise. We think they're more uh, important than they were a decade ago in world affairs, uh, much more so than, than any other country we asked about. But at the same time, we also asked people, basically, what would be better in the future to have a world where the U.S. is the top power or a world where China is the top power? And when we do that, uh, overwhelmingly, people say uh, the U.S. They say that it'd be better uh, in the future if the U.S. Uh, you know, is the top power. So, uh, you know, to me, that, that tells me that, uh, you know, even at a moment moment where there is uh, a lot of frustration with the U.S., uh, a lot of frustration with the uh, American president, you know, there are things that people continue to value about the United States. And if you, you ask them, you know, who do they want to be the leading power moving forward, they're still likely to say the United States. And Dina, what do we find in U.S. opinion? You've already talked about the fact that American people would support U.S. leadership. Um, do we have any sense of how the American public feels vis-a-vis China and the leadership between the two countries? It's really interesting because when we had our advisory board meeting here, just to go over the final results, uh, one of the things that struck them as policy practitioners and academics is that 
America fe- American fears of China are actually pretty low. Uh, they don't see China as a threat, as a military threat. Uh, they see it as an important economic leader. They see China's strength being rooted in its economy, while ours is a little more diffuse between our economy and our military power. Um, and they don't really seem to sense a direct threat. Even the threat of a trade war with China didn't get a really majority concern. Uh, Democrats are more concerned than Republicans, but still it wasn't one of the big pressing concerns like nuclear proliferation or international terrorism. So I think in terms of what goes on in the the Beltway and on Capitol Hill in terms of worrying about, and certainly the White House, worrying about China, there's a lag among the American public who don't seem to see it as a direct threat yet. So as we close, I'd like to ask uh, you both the same question, uh, which is, what should U.S. policymakers take from the surveys that you've done? What is the most important uh, finding or the most important takeaway that you believe should affect their action? Richard, I'll start with you. Well, I think uh, there's a lot in this survey about uh, views of the United States among some of our closest partners and allies. And I think that's an important thing to pay attention to. Uh, you know, some of the most negative numbers we see when we ask about the U.S. in a variety of different ways are found among uh, close allies of the U.S. Some of the most negative trends uh, in terms of you know downturns in, in, in America's image are happening among close allies and partners. A place like Germany is a good example where you've seen a real drop off uh, in America's image. Uh, you see, you know, Germans overwhelmingly saying that relations have gotten worse over the past year. Um, if you look at places like Canada and Mexico, you know, uh, our neighbors, uh, U.S. favorability in Canada is an all-time low in our polling. Uh, just 6% in Mexico uh, have confidence in President Trump. That's his lowest rating on the survey. So among some of our closest allies and partners, you see some of the most negative trends. And I think that's something that's uh, worth noting. And Dina, what's the most important takeaway for you for policymakers? I think what I've been telling um, audiences abroad, I just got back from Russia and Finland, is that I think these views show that uh, if you read the headlines in the United States or in other countries, you might think that America and Americans just naturally want to withdraw from the world right now and that President Trump is in the White House because Americans support his type of policy. But in fact, Americans now uh, affirm even more our involvement in world affairs and supporting uh, international um, endeavors to for solutions. Um, I think a lot of policymakers view the U.S. public as a constraint on actions that they can take. And really what our survey finds, not just this year, but almost every year that we poll, that Americans really are open to subordinating U.S. interests to world interests. Um, They welcome participation in international agreements. And even in terms of taking military action right now, support is at unprecedentedly high levels. So uh, I think that's something that's often misunderstood and mis diagnosed in terms of how public opinion, it's not always a constraint, it's often an opportunity as well. So Richard Wyke from the 
Pew Research Center and Dina Smeltz from right here at the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. Thanks very much for the work that you you did in these polls. I think it's really a fascinating view of how the foreign policy of this country is being perceived. And as you both point out, it has implications in the world. So thank you both for being on. Thank you. Great talking with you, Richard and Brian. Great. Yeah, nice talking with you. Thanks so much. And thank you for tuning into this episode of Deep Dish. As a reminder, the opinions you heard belong to the people who expressed them and not the Chicago Council on Global Affairs or the Pew Research Center. You can find our show under Deep Dish on Global Affairs wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like the show, please do me a favor and press the subscribe button so that you can get each and every new episode as it comes out. If you think you know somebody who would enjoy today's episode, take a moment and tap the share button and send it along to them. If you have any questions about anything you heard today, or if you want to submit questions for upcoming guests and episodes, I invite you to join our Facebook group, Deep Dish on Global Affairs. This episode of Deep Dish was produced by Evan Fazio. Our audio engineer is Andy Zarnecki. I'm Brian Hansen, and we'll be back soon with another slice of Deep Dish.